Heaven High. Heaven High. This is episode one hundred and thirty-five. To Rum Doings Nude. Are you? Excellent. Everyone has to be. Everyone who's listening to this episode needs to take all their clothes off immediately if they want to carry on listening. Are we going to rehearse what we've said in several other episodes where you've asked for this to happen, where you put an age limit on this request? Or would you like to request that all our eight and nine-year-old listeners also take off all their clothes in front of you, John? No one's doing it in front of me, are they? Because, Nick, this is pre-recorded and audio. Yes, but your spirit will be hovering in their earphones. The chance after eight or nine, they're probably nude already because they've been running around in a sprinkler. Oh, that's true, yes. Judy was running around in a sprinkler the other day, and a Labrador, not a Labrador, an Alsatian was running around and snapping as well, but he was doing it in a good-natured way, so we didn't mind. Oh, good grief. Yeah. Oh, I wouldn't allow well, any such thing near my child, were my child to exist. Which doesn't yet. Any yet. day now. Any day now. <laughs> no, well, in, in, literally it could you be today. at the end of June. End of June, yes. Would and you twins, li- apparently. Yeah. Would you Stop li- talking over me! Would you like to give the topic, please? Okay, the topic this week of Rum Doings is Bark, paedophiles, sitcoms, transvestites, liberal democrats and video games. Yeah, I suspect some of those things will be mentioned. Nope, they can't be now. No, all that has not to be mentioned is the unifying set of all I of knew them. you would try and get away with it this way. So I knew you'd say, oh, they You cannot mention the Cartesian product of those entities, but individually, it's going to be very difficult not to talk about your, your, mind you, as in belonging to you and being your responsibility, yep. Liberal Democrats, What with what's going on uh, today in Parliament, where the, the gays are coming back onto the, uh, onto the schedule, and the Tories are saying that it's the re the, they, they've been too nice to gays, and that's why they're going to lose all their elections. <laughs> Surely they've been too nice to Europeans. That was last week, though, wasn't it? So yeah, that's last week. This week they're too nice to gays. <laughs> Splits expected. Splits <laughs> expected over gay marriage. <laughs> so it says on the BBC. <laughs> all the very rough, rough gay honeymoons. The longer yeah. headlines: Splits expected as MPs prepare to debate gay marriage. It's going to is be a, a rough one. John, is it, a, is it a debate across the whole house? It's Might going to be s- a very large debate. Would you say it's, 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 it's across the whole house, the massed forces of all the parties? I would, say, I would say so, that the, their combined mass in this debate <laughs> will split them. <laughs> Wanking. Oh, is that what you were alluding to? Yeah, sorry, I, just, I broke. I was just talking about... Uh, a the, the volume strong, of the discussion. Strong, strong discourse. Mm. Mm. So, uh, it, it, it's just, uh, to me, it's extraordinary that these Tories are doing it again. That's all. It's just stupid. You, no, <laughs> it's even, amazing. But even if, and yes, we know that clearly it does appeal to their um, baser, stupid uh, uh, core demographic, can't they see what it's doing in a kind of branding way? For no, the rest of the country that is not. This is idiotic. 1994, they fell apart over this. In 19, I sound like Steve Coogan's character of the day today. In 1994, but it wasn't about. They, they didn't fall apart, apart over the gays. In 1997, in 2002. Mm. But yeah, it's it's the the the, the well, Europe. The whole you know they fall apart about Europe every few years and don't seem to ever guess get the point that 
chasing after that right wing does seem to just make them collapse. And, and now this is the new version of that, I suppose. Yeah, but on the other hand, if if a quarter of Britain is inherently ghastly and racist, then aren't they correct to try to appeal to that to contradict what I was saying a moment ago? I mean, well, the UKIP proved that most of many of your countrymen are vile. Yes, it did. Mm. Um, I, I don't know. It's an interesting one. It I I I don't know whether appealing to that that quarter of extremes cuts off a quarter of the centrists they would otherwise which, get which which i think it might do i think that's the problem um and before the nasty people would vote for the tories anyway the problem is they've got competition now they've mm-hmm. got they've got ukip and what's interesting i think is uh the liberal democrats and labor bec- uh, cause just enough of a split in the center left vote to allow the tories in i wonder whether the tories have now got their own effective liberal democrats in ukip uh you know where people used to just grumble and then go back to the tories the right wing nasty people yeah. now they will grumble and go to ukip it's become a dangerous little sluice for them i think so i think so i think it also amuses me that ukip's logo has still got the pound on it like are they still shouting save the pound well but what's what's more interesting is that um they threatened a parody site or a parody account on Twitter that also used the pound sign. Somebody said, oh, I wasn't aware that you trademarked the pound. <laughs> maybe, they did. maybe that's how they saved it. Yes. Oh, dear. But it's, 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 it's very odd. Like, so last week they went for the Europe thing. This week they goes obviously UK are extraordinarily anti-gay marriage. Yeah, they hate gays. Um, well, they do, but funnily enough, they're not shy about saying they're against gay marriage either. Mm-hmm. Um, which is which is odd for any political party to boast. So next week, presumably, we'll see all the Tories standing around smoking and talking about relieving the smoking ban. Well, um, I do wonder. Uh, I th- I wonder whether that might pop up again because there was one mad old Tory talking about and saying the nanny state and, and he included things like the smoking ban have made the Tories unpopular. Uh, but he, the Tories didn't bring in the smoking ban; they opposed it. So it just yes. seems very con- confused. <laughs> it is, it's 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 oh, I don't know it's just so base and so and so stupid and so feral this these UKIP positions this kind of like I can't work out whether they're cynical or just stupid so okay. saying oh smokers you're a, are an oppressed minority now wow 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 is that is that mm. genuine belief or is that if we can say this we'll appeal to the stupidest nastiest people <laughs> which is scarier yeah Reported comments from a senior Tory calling activists swivel-eyed loons were no surprise, they added. Well, I mean, it's clear that most uh, core Tory supporters are swivel-eyed loons. Yes. I mean, it's not a surprise. Um, I don't know. I mean, what do you think Cameron is thinking at the moment? Well, I think that the interesting thing about Cameron's position is his position on Europe is actually not as nearly as extreme as I think he wants to portray he's he is against leaving europe he is in favor of pretending to make some rule changes which he does obviously doesn't want to change i think he's actually probably very pro europe and probably appreciates and understands how important it is well as a as as a representative of big business of course he is because big business wants it yes and that's the crux of the danger that the tory party finds itself in because it's rabid core uh, xenophobic racists hmm. are at odds with its globalised business supporters. Globalised business supporters don't want Britain to become isolated on this. 
it would be the last thing they want. So yeah, of course. in a sense, he's being now in a weird way, because Cameron was always much more representative of business interests. You know, he's the bankers and the PR and the media company's mate, as we saw during the um, News International uh, revelations. He's, yes. he, he's, he's, he's their man. And so to expect him to uh, oppose their interests is wrong. Uh, well, that's what's so interesting about this, that he, he, he's got to tread a very peculiar line. He's not doing it very well. He's just looking a bit flustered. But I think he's, it's interesting, I'm, I'm, I'm very rarely a good thing to say about Cameron, but I think well, he's obviously not a stupid man. It's not like a kind of, um, you know, he's not one of the politicians you can dismiss as actually just being actively stupid. He's clearly not. And I don't think he's as stupid as Major was at the same time. I think Major was just a little bit it's silly at the time. I guess so, yes. Um, but he's yes, but he's not. He's he does seem to just have his head on straight with Europe, which is let's create some pretend rule mm. changes. Let's pretend we give people a vote on Europe, um, and then we can just carry on as we are, and that'll yeah. be fine. That's probably well, he for thought the best. he would be lancing the boil in his party by doing that, but it didn't work because of Farage. Well, that and and also, but then you've got people like Michael Gove, just mm. human pustules. Well, Michael Gove is just playing a game. Do you think so? Do you think he's just, it's just an extended episode of the moral maze for him? Yes, I think he's just playing a game. I don't see that Michael Gove has any particular um, deep interest in this one. I think he's pressing little buttons in order to try to get himself aligned where he wants to be. Right. I think, I think he's pretty amoral, Michael Gove. He does seem that way. Mm. And so, in a sense, I don't particularly mind him so much. It's the, it's the, it's still the the, the John Redwoods and those sorts who worry me. Uh, well, I, th- they... I think I mind Gove because of his power over education and, and the horror that he is in terms of that. I don't think it's true. I mean, education is so screwed and broken and has been for so for so many decades now that I don't really care who does what to its twitching corpse. To be honest. <laughs> You know, if he well, wants, to, if he wants to bugger, if he wants to bugger the dead, dead, the dead education corpse, he can do it. It doesn't matter. It's dead anyway. So, what happens to education next? Um, nothing really. I think that education, as we know it, is dead, and we'll see what happens. That's all I can say. Can't say anything more enlightening than that. But there is nothing interesting or useful or good or hopeful about education in this country, and there hasn't been for quite a few years. Okay, well, can you answer this question from the BBC website? What is the future for white people in South Africa? Um, Well, the Afrikaners do have a problem because they're actually quite... The the farmers in particular are being killed and are very poor. Um, I imagine they'll be eradicated. Yes? Yeah, the liberal whites will be okay because they'll have their gated communities, but the Afrikaner farmers, they'll end up just sort of being killed. They really are being... I think. I think... I think you know, tens of thousands have been killed already, so it can't be that many more before they're all gone. How, 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 how has, how racist. is Zuma in charge? How, how is that still the case? How is a rapist running South Africa? I'm not going to say anything, because any comment I make will just sound racist, and it's not racist, but, you know, I just despair for all cultures in Africa. They seem just to screw things up left, right and centre due to a huge agglomeration of tribal politics and the inability to um do any bootstrapping it's very sad i hope for better and it didn't happen so there we go do you think people will start telling the truth about south africa once mandela's finally died no no 
It'll take another generation. I mean, when when basically it's... Oh, by the way, that, so when I say find it, I don't mean I'm wishing Mandela yeah. to die. I mean, he's an incredibly old man and is due yeah. to die soon. Yes. What I would suspect happen is when South Africa is incontrovertibly Zimbabwe, then things, questions will start to be asked. Right. But it'll have to... And, and in several ways it already is, but it'll have to be much more explicitly. So, I yeah. mean, okay. the... Anybody who actually took an interest, for example, in the rape statistics in South Africa right now would just be shuddering. Yes, so, of course. I mean, and and the AIDS statistics. Yeah, as it's well. not it's not an exaggeration. You know, in Western society where people where people very self indulgently define sexual abuse or harassment or whatever as they want to be in order to put up the stats for their own reason, they say, oh, one in five or one in three, whatever. In South Africa, truly, I think it would be very unusual for a young black South African girl to have emerged through school without being raped. Oh, and that, that's, that's not hyperbolic now, I'm afraid. Yeah. Um, and I say that for, from the knowledge of people who actually work with uh, people who are trying to deal with this issue. And when a girl uh, were, was taken by her mother to a police station where the, the person who I know was volunteering... Uh, and speaking to whoever was on duty was supposed to be in charge of dealing with these sort of things and said, my, my daughter's been raped. And, they, and the person on duty said, well, <laughs> sort of shrugged their shoulders and said, well, what was it? And uh, describe it. They described it. Oh, well, that was just a normal rape then. They didn't use any devices or implements, so you're lucky. Oh, uh-huh. gosh. So, you know, if it's just a normal rape, it's considered good luck. Now, it's difficult... <laughs> It's difficult. It's difficult to feel hopeful about a culture where that's normal. And as much as I want to go all la di da rainbow nation, that's not something that fits well with that. And I feel no happiness or sort of smugness in saying this. Of course, because I mean, I would have loved the place to normalise, and I could have gone lived there rather than this dirty dishcloth of a place. But you know. Sort yourself out, South Africa, so that I can come back. That's the only reason I can. <laughs> what a motivation for them. <laughs> yes, unless you stop raping, I won't come back. <laughs> it's going to be posted up. <laughs> yes. <laughs> stop the rape, for goodness sake, so Nick can come back. <laughs> oh, well. I'm going to see if I can get you deported back there anyway. I reckon. Once, uh, I, mean, I, I, power. I mean, I, I think maybe in a couple of generations, not this current generation or the next one, but one after it might sort itself out because the country's natural resources and capabilities are all there. It's just, there's been so much poison in the last hundred years that mm. it's going to take more than a generation to lance it. It's, it's in other words, it wasn't the miracle that everybody desperately hoped it would be. It's just going the way you'd expect it to go. Yeah, absolutely. Sad, and that's what, that's why I say about Mandela. Cause Mandela is, is this, this figurehead for a thing that isn't happening. Yes. And he was, he was kind of a holding bay. And yes. when the holding bay gets uh, shut down, then, We'll see. Hmm. There we are. So That's a lovely, fun topic. Yes, so I'm glad you, we, we covered that one. But it is very interesting uh, to get back to the United Kingdom about how the, how the Tories have turned gay marriage into such an issue. And I don't understand what does the non-religious Tory supporter have against it. it it's, still, it's just ick, isn't it? Is there a non-religious Tory supporter? Who is against gay marriage? Well, is there a non-religious Tory supporter? I mean, yeah, surely yeah, 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 there's, the, there's so. at least institutional Christianity in the average Tory supporter, surely. Well, institutional Christianity, I would have thought so, in as much as the Conservative Party, one of the pillars of the Conservative Party is the Church of England. Yes. So, yes, maybe, but I think that's overstating it, perhaps. 
I don't. I, I, I can't think of it then. The ick factor just doesn't seem enough. Marriage. See, for me, the ick factor should be undone by the marriage factor. Doesn't no, that but, automatically put it behind closed doors as these people? No, but we de- we defy we we describe why this you were incorrect about that on your blog and you failed to understand. In that, if somebody fetishizes marriage, then bringing ick close to marriage is like smearing poo poo on yeah. your uh, uh, on your jewellery. And that's effectively what they see it as. Is I've got my lovely little hetero marriage, and now you're spreading poo poo all over it. And that's effectively. Right. It, it, yeah, it, that I think it's sense. no. I think it's no less childish than that. I'm <laughs> yeah. So there we are. Uh, my uh, my uh, sister-in-law is 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 having is is pregnant. My brother's my brother's wife. This doesn't sound like a gay marriage at all. No, it's not gay. But I just thought I'd let you know what the, the name of the baby's been decided by Judith. Oh yes. It's going to be called Dodo. That's a nice name. Yeah, so baby Dodo. So do you think it would grow grow up to be Dodo? Can you imagine uh, um, the, the right honourable Dodo Mailer? No, but I can imagine um, famous artist Dodo Mailer. Yes, okay, well that'll work then. I mean, I, okay. I'm, not, I'm not sure whether I was supposed to mention it on this podcast, but she has told her all the people in her office now, so you know, that's pretty Oh well, public, it's gossip. It? That's, how we, that's how I heard uh, her office mates told me. All right. Yeah, gossip, you know. Mm, fair enough. Oh, dear oh, babies, me. eh? Yeah, I hear that Laura is still ill. Oh, she's infinitely ill now. She's She was ill two weeks ago. I have a theory about she, this. She had already been overly ill two weeks ago. The last time that you caught a cold, Nicholas, how long did it last? A little longer than it should have. I agree. And the last time I caught a cold, the same, and Laura's cold. I and everyone I speak to, I think the cold virus has become a lot more powerful. Everyone's colds are lasting longer, but no one's talking about it. You think it's a conspiracy? No, I don't think it's a conspiracy. I just think the cold virus has become a lot stronger and no one's realising. Because everyone's thinking, gosh, my cold took a long time to get over. And assuming everyone else's aren't. And I think that's just... I think everyone. I think the cold virus has, has become a, a, a two-week thing rather than a three-day thing. It, it does seem to have a long tail. and It's got all the sort of uh, inflammation and then the coughing bits that... I don't remember colds always having sort of coughing bits as well. And the sore throat bit takes a lot longer now as well. Yeah. Okay. And for me, it's the, the, the runny nose part just seems to drag on and on and on. But, so I'm feeling perfectly well now, but I'm still dealing with sneezes and snot. Make sure you get rid of that once you go on holiday, please. Well, okay, but I'm, Laura and I are going away for a night's holiday at the end of this month, and so hopefully that will uh, dispatch with there, that holiday there. Oh, yes, you, we mentioned it on the previous one, the chocolate Indeed. pontoon. We're going to the, the hotel made of chocolate. Yes. Oh, yes, we said how uh, that sounds initially interesting. <laughs> yes, but the don't just to, repeat it because we said it. But the notion of having to eat your way through to your room was a problem. Yes. Oh, well, I'm, I'm quite hungry now because it's nearly lunchtime, and so therefore I quite like the idea of it. You just go and eat your kitchen. Eat well, your this chocolate. is the thing. You should never, as they always say, you should never go to a hotel made of chocolate before you've eaten. That's true. <laughs> Otherwise, you'll end up causing structural damage. to the Exactly. Body. Oh, dear. It's awful when you eat your way through a main supporting beam of chocolate. I mean, a main supporting Kit Kat. Yeah. And it's, it's interesting, by the way, what we were talking about, just flitting back again about the businessmen. I've noticed that um, Eurosceptic MP is attacked by business leaders. So you can see, you know, and that's, you know, People from BT, Shell, Lloyd's yes. Bank, Deloitte, uh, all of Cameron's mates are telling him, don't let your mad party screw us. And yeah. so it's interesting. He's caught in a very peculiar position there, isn't he? 
And he's caught whilst... in a position that every Tory leader's been caught in, ever, <laughs> what, <laughs> for the last 300 million years. Okay, if you were he, what would you do? I think I would have to, to... I think you have to go for the power play. You have to say, I am in charge of this party, and if you don't like it, try and get rid of me. I think yeah, he has to make that move now. Just to uh, prove that yes. the, there's no way the core of the party will get rid of the, the whole party, he wouldn't get outvoted on the Europe matter. So he would just UKIP. force the backbenchers to lose a vote. Mm, what about UKIP? Well, that's not right. They, UKIP can't vote on the Tory leadership challenge. No, but I'm saying, well, what if people are so scared of UKIP, then they say, well, actually, it's too dangerous. We, 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 we're, we're, we're fighting for our lives here. I don't think anyone's realistically afraid of UKIP. Just winning the old councillor seat here and there isn't actually that big of a deal. Especially, Especially since most of those councillors have had to resign since. Yes, I mean, it's the same thing that happened with the BNP. Once you actually find you've got a UPIC councillor, you certainly don't have them for very long because they yes. turn out to be mad or very incompetent. Stu got one to resign last week. Oh, yes, what was that about? Um, he was, he po- this one had been posting an enormous number of incredibly offensive comments about the Scots on Twitter. Oh, fair um, enough. And... Uh, and un- un- in this case, didn't announce that his account had been hacked <laughs> to excuse it. Oh, right. That's usually the excuse they use. Indeed. So he's had to step down because uh, he <laughs> basically said all, just basically described all Scottish people as drunken lunatics, which, while true, is something you shouldn't say in public. Yeah, exactly. You just have to pretend that they're not. Yes, indeed. It's just impolite to, to accurately describe the Scots as, as drunken yobs. Yeah, fair enough. Drunken, uh, I- fish and chip eating haggis wearing yobs also stupid the way they gave the way they gave Farage just what he needed the other week was very stupid um well of course that was the inspiration for all of this this stuff Mm. um but no I think you say that I think what it did was really fantastically reveal how pathetic Farage was he couldn't cope having a few people heckling him it didn't make any sense well he's not really experienced that before he's not a real politician is he Oh no, he's been an MEP for so long. Exactly. You know, the, well, appa- you know, apparently not often turning up to the committees he's on. You know these bureaucrats from Brussels. You know how <laughs> they're shielded, shielded from the real people. I Did you see that video clip a while ago of the? I think it was a Danish MEP who was so f- Farage was up there again, spouting his usual awfulness. Mm-hmm. And this Danish MP, I think it was Danish, stood up and pointed out how many how many of his committee meetings he's actually bothered to attend, and it's almost none. How many? How few hours he actually works. And yet he still takes the money. Yep, absolutely. Fantastic mm. amounts of money. He boasted that he took two million in expenses. Yeah. Brilliant. <sighs> it's just genius. I saw the video clip of him standing with a pint in one hand and a cigarette in the other, and neither fits him. <laughs> it was like he was wearing some, some incredibly undersized trousers. <laughs> oh, I hate all your politicians, John. They're so... And not because they're evil, but just because they're so mediocre and banal. Can we have some nice, good quality evil ones? Like a Hitler. You want a Hitler, do you? Yeah, Yeah, at least he made the Jews run on time. (laughs) (laughs) I can't believe I've never heard that joke before. I've just just made it up. Yeah, but it seems like something someone should have said before. It's very good. It is very good, but... I don't know. I mean, I I am bored with the rubbishness of all your politicians. Can you get yep. some exciting and interesting ones in, please? I mean, this should really be Ed Miliband's time to shine, and yet even he <laughs> seems unable to do anything but say very bad speeches in his terrible voice. He's an entirely unshiny individual. 
Except his forehead's a bit shiny. Not as shiny as Cameron's, obviously, but a bit. Well, that's true, and that's why Cameron won. Yeah. Have you been watching any telly recently at all? I watched the Eurovision Song Contest. How did you enjoy it? I didn't watch it because I was actually away that night, but I heard that the the compare lady was apparently quite good. Yes, and she was alone, which was... Now, Germany in 2011 had three presenters who were all brilliant mm. and really bucked the trend for the awkwardness of, uh, of n- n- uh, more than one compare. Yeah. But last year, back in Azerbaijan, it was as awkward as ever. So just yeah. having one presenter, so there was none of the awkward, grinning, reading-off-the-card jokes with each other. Mm, I hate worked this. really well. Although, if oh. you go back and watch the opening ceremony, the opening ceremony for the German one with the three prese- the three presenters who end up singing and dancing, it is spectacular. None shall ever beat that. Oh, I'm glad to hear that. Um, no, the Swedish smorgasbord bit was very good too. It was very entertaining. Mm-hmm. Um, but otherwise, but the, unfortunately, the music was just a continued descent into dirge. Was there not one good bit of music? There was... Um, Let's a... talk about it non-ironically. Was there any, any yeah, ironically absolutely. ironically acceptable music? Uh, there was an, a, f- a really good fun pop song from Finland, which was about uh, a girl wanting to get married to her boyfriend. Um, mm-hmm. Unfortunately, it did contain some really awful lyrics like uh, skipping dinner to get thinner and other things in order to win this man's desire to marry her. So it was unfortunately lyrically rather problematic. Um, it finished with an, uh, a, a she, the lead singer kissed one of the female backing dancers as a protest against Finland's refusal to countenance gay marriage. Oh right, which was quite a good statement to make. In fact, Sweden's smorgasbord bit had a sex, had a, a sequence of two uh, two men uh, getting married and kissing. Yeah, that, that um, and the girl thing is the reason why Turkey refused to broadcast it. This now year. that's what Graham Norton said during Indeed. the broadcast. However, a Turkish individual tweeted me saying that apparently the real re- the, the reason she said it was cancelled. She said that the Turkish government is constantly censoring television and it, and it's despicable. But she said the reason it was cancelled was because of the bombings from a couple of weeks ago when 140 died, and apparently they've decided not to air it for that reason. Mm, I think it's the gays. Well, it's it's interesting. She was she was she was not defending the government or anything like that she was just saying actually that's the reason it was it wasn't broadcast so i don't know it's interesting norton did say it was that was why they weren't showing it but i love the fact that you think about all these nations that were these nations where certainly gay marriage is not countenance well what's interesting is uh, I, I didn't hear it apparently norton said and this this uh, piece ends with two women kissing yes. one another and if you're offended by this then grow up yep he did Oh, he right. really did. He sold it beautifully as well. He really did sound like he was going to say, and if you're offended by this, then change channel, blah, blah, blah. Were you kind of tensing up ready for the pusillanimous little thing? I was. And then it didn't and then, happen. Yes, and so we, I applauded when he said it. It was great. <laughs> Good. Good. He had a, is, few, is uh, the... a few nice moments like that. He did very well again. Is Mr. Norton proving to be an acceptable replacement for Mr. Wogan? He is. The only problem with Norton is that he's sycophantic about the British and Irish entries, which are, you know, this year Always were bad, absolutely yeah. terrible. And he was he was doing the, oh, they deserve to do really well thing. And, you know, even Wogan would, would uh, badmouth a bad entry from Britain. Yes. Did you um, explain to our uh, American listeners what a Wogan and a Norton are? Oh, gosh. Um, How would you explain the Wogan? He's a, a, a gently Irish... Avuncular. Uh, a, a very avuncular a radio presenter of... Self-effacing and always with a tinge of very mild, milky tea irony about him. Indeed. He's a very smart man um, mm. and is very entertaining. I've n- I never listened to his radio show. But it was Radio 2 and it was just, you know, he just played... He wears a wig. He doesn't wear a wig. Well, he does. I, th- I really don't think he does. He wears a terrible wig. 
I'm trying to... Oh, hang on, maybe... I can't remember. He certainly made numerous jokes about making a wig. Wearing a wig. He's got the weird grey tufts coming out of this strange, diff- completely no, different head No, you're right, he does. He does, hair. doesn't he? He's also yeah. in his, his 70s now. Yes, and um, his hair hasn't changed in 50 years. Here's, that's true, it's a good point. Here's the great thing about Terry Wogan, and, and I think this is his oh, most Terry. underrated... Or, most or, un- or as you have to say, oh, oh Terry Wogan. Oh, Terry Wogan. Um, his most underrated programme was a thing called Wogan's Web. I've, I've heard of that, but I'd never watched it. It was on... I was at university, so it would have been 1920, so it would have been 15 years ago. Mm, you're nearly dead. It was on... Um, more, thank you. It was a morning TV show, it was, and it was. I think it started at 11, and he called it Breakfast TV for Students. Mm-hmm. And that's pretty much what it was. It was a kind of... His, his radio show with the producers and the various members of his radio show on TV... And they just had like items, like little reports on interesting things, and readers would write in. With, and it was just this incredibly amiable and, and really fun show. Hmm. Um, they had Louise, not, the luscious not, librarian. Not, histri- not histrionic, then. Not in the slightest. So Louise, the luscious librarian, was this, was this lady who answered the calls. And Wogan decided, announced on one episode that she looked like a bag of spanners, because she was especially pretty. <laughs> and one reader sent in a bag of spanners for her. I remember that happening. Yeah. Um, Where does one... Very, where does, one go for Where does one go for non-histrionic television these days? They, one doesn't. It's all television hysterical and um, insecure then. Well, f- uh, for factual and live TV, yes, absolutely. Mm. There's, there's good drama to be found. W- what are you watching of late? Oh, I'm watching Game of Thrones. Oh, it's so good. Uh, we're, we've, we, I'm not going to watch it. It's not mine. I don't want orcs and elks and things. There aren't any orcs and, uh, and dragons. And elks aren't traditional there fantasy are characters. Dragons, you know. It has dragons, but that's it. it it's um, the very deliberately very low fantasy. So there's, there is magic, but it's vaguely alluded to. I think the entire first season, I think maybe it's the very final episode of the first season that there's even a hint of something magical happening. It's, it's much more about warring factions and... And, uh, and 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 people and characters and relationships. It's gen and the TV show is genuinely stunning. It's absolutely amazing. Mm. You should totally be watching. You're a lunatic if you don't watch it. I don't know. It sounds tedious to me. It ah. really isn't. You should give it a go. It's it's a HBO at their absolute finest. Okay. Do you I'll know give what I, I watched? Yes, I caught up on yesterday, and I haven't caught up. I'm still three behind. What? Doctor Who. Why? Oh dear! Well, because I hadn't seen them, you've you'd seen them to know that they were bad. I hadn't yet. Well, I, well hold on. How far back? No, we ha- we we stopped watching pretty close to when you did. Maybe we stay stayed another few episodes. But no, no, because it stopped. Don't forget, they only showed five episodes last year. Um, I didn't watch Christmas. those. Didn't watch those. Oh, I see. No, I mean I, I saw bits of them and then. heard. Oh right, so tell me, what did you think? Well, they were just really. They weren't egregiously terrible. They were just dull. Hmm. Like, it was a weird, uh, like, I didn't know, maybe they'd had their budget slashed horrendously or something. Ah, uh, that would make sense. Yeah, it was it's... kind of, it was hard to fathom what was what was going on and why it was so, like, the, you, so you didn't see the episode The Bells of St. John with the mm. Wi-Fi networks. Right. So this was written by Stephen Moffat, which makes no sense whatsoever. He wrote an episode in which he, an, a, a Wi-Fi network that if you clicked on it to try to connect to it, uh-huh. it would download something to your computer that could then therefore upload your soul uh-huh. via a human, a robot that looked like a human 
that would uh-huh. sneak up on you. Uh-huh. And Sounds then its head cumbersome. would turn around. Its head would turn around and it would be a satellite dish and it would upload you whether you were near the computer that you had clicked on the Wi-Fi network or not. What's the point of the computer then? When you uploaded it, or the, what? No, who knows? When you were uploaded, you became a soul that was trapped in yeah, a that's screen. Fine. But surely the big satellite dish thing is all that was needed. Why? Did, what's the computer doing anything? It for? that did. It didn't make that made no sense whatsoever. That's just lazy, uh, incompetent, um, tech, techno illiterate rubbish. Exactly. And so when you were uploaded into the system. You were the victim of the great intelligence that was something from the Christmas special that presumably they'll come back to later. I haven't seen the last three of the season, which have now aired. Um, which Richard E. Grant in a, as an evil robot. Um, and then you can be downloaded again if you haven't finished uploading, but the only way you can download someone is to download everyone. And blah, blah. It didn't make any sense at all. No, it's Gatiss... Sorry, not Gatiss. It's Moffat, one of these people who types on a typewriter and refuses uh, to... Yes, I believe... I think a lot of these yes. people are, sadly, and I think it's pretty obvious. And you you see a bit of that, actually, in um, some of the other stuff he does, too. You know, it's quite... A... For, what, queer as folk. Oh, no, that wasn't him. That was Russell T. Davis. I got my yeah. Doctor Who right. It's good. so homophobic. That's not the problem is I'm homophobic. Yeah. Um, in Press Gang, did he, he didn't do it in Press Gang. Press Gang was great. They were all on typewriters in Press Gang. Yeah. <laughs> there was a reason for that. Yeah. And they weren't. They were on very early computers, I think you'll find. <sighs> yeah. Uh, by the way, um, on Eurovision, did you watch at, right from the beginning? Yes, of course. Uh, and you watched till the end? Yeah, of course. Did uh, do they still play the Charpentier? <laughs> do they still play Charpentier's Te Deum? They do. It's so incongruous to everything. Yes, he was a he was a Jesuit. Was he now? Mm. I love how incongruous that is, and it's just so pompous and ridiculous. <laughs> it, it probably in the fifties seemed appropriate, and it shows you how how. Um, culture has divided and flung apart itself since then well the tragedy the tragedy of eurovision is that the bing bang a bop bop songs are very much a thing of the past now and the way you win is by putting in some dirgy ballad with a techno beat Ugh. and so that's everything is now a dirgy ballad with techno beat the two exceptions were that finnish song um which was a really fun pop song and had um ding ding dong ding dong in the chorus it was a proper eurovision song and Malta's entry, which was a very kind of nice Jack Johnson-y little ditty that didn't stand a chance because it was a decent song. Did Ireland... The rest, the rest did was Ireland just des- techno-dirge. Did Ireland deserve to... Oh, die? gosh, they were so bad. It was atrocious. Was it? Good. I'm glad this you greasy, This greasy-looking creature came out. <laughs> nasty little slimy boy. And he came out and sang some... It's so unmemorable, I can't even remember what style it was in. It was just nothingness. While men covered in... Almost naked men covered in baby oil beat giant drums. Again, you're being homophobic. I'm not sure I am. Was it homophobic that I was masturbating to them as they were on screen? Well, no wonder you would uh, pay no attention to the music. You were too busy. (laughs) (sighs) Did Laura watch all this as well? Yes, we had, uh, as, as, as ever, we had friends over for the Eurovisioning. I noticed we weren't invited. That's true, because you're not my friend anymore. Oh, that's true. I'm your media you're my, associate. You're my colleague. I'm your media associate. <laughs> that's right. Oh, yes. You're going on holiday with your colleague. 
That's right, my colleague. <laughs> Why not he goes on holiday with colleagues? That's true. Um, yeah, so it was a, an enjoyable evening with terrible songs. The strangest part, though, because the scoring is always the best bit because of the, just the complete the cluster f of madness. Yes. As they um, as the satellite delay, no one understands satellite delays as they're trying to use it. I can't believe there isn't an ISDN sort of super instant video that isn't yeah, Skype that somehow breaks uh, the speed of light. Uh, no, that's I, just, just oh, it must. There must be a way of doing it better than that. I, I like the fact that they, that some of them still. I always I'm happy when some of them are still traditional and say, you know, calling. Belarus calling, and those who don't do that, I disapprove of. Well, I disapproved of those who did do it until this year, when it's. I think it's finally become pleasantly ironic. Even in, even UK said calling. Good. This this year, but the strange thing was, uh, De- Den- Denmark ran away with the win toward the end, and it was a bit, uh, with still five scores to go. I think there was uh, no chance that they could be beaten. Mm-hmm. But normally they just pretend they don't know that and carry on. Right. This time they announced the winner, and then carried on with the scoring. That seems odd. <laughs> it was it was just brilliantly farcical. It was just perfect. Oh dear. And there's so many, you know, those scores when the like the score for Belarus comes on and says. The wonderful congratulations on a wonderful evening. It's been so unbelievable. It's just, just please, just say yes. what you gave eight points to, please. They always I do love that, it all. I love the gruesomeness of it. Yeah. Well, there you go. Um, and Nigel Farage wants to get rid of it all for you. I know he wants to ban Europe. He does. <laughs> He's his homeland, where he came from when he fled to the United Kingdom. His Hugo Nortian uh, heritage. They were very Hugo naughty, weren't they? Can you please move your phone away because you're d- 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 doing and it's very naughty. Yeah, I-, I thought I'd give you a little bit of a beat. <laughs> <laughs> I was reading about the arrival of the Huguenots and uh, the history I can't. Huguenot, Huguenot. No, Huguenots. It's fun to say that way. Okay. Huguenots. Of course, the of course the yeah. Huguenot. Um, uh, they they were welcomed you. with they were welcomed with kindness. According to mm. this historical account. <laughs> right. Little message for Mr. Farage there. Oh, he's just a bit of a Farage. <laughs> I hope that becomes a, the vernacular after his eventual demise. It would be good if he were found out to have been a paedophile. No, that it would wouldn't. Useful. You seem it to miss. A, you always seem to make this mistake. If you were found out to be a paedophile, there would be more victims of paedophiles, and therefore that would be no, bad. No, I'm prepared to swap his pedo slot for somebody else's, so there won't be a net oh, okay. Game. A fair exchange. Okay. You know, I want basically. For the next pedo who is discovered, I want him to be that one rather than another one. Okay, that's interesting. Although this is the subject, you can't discuss it, I'm afraid. Okay, I'm not going to discuss it. I'm just saying that's what okay. has to happen. So okay. if you could arrange, if you could arrange for his arraignment, okay, that would be good. <laughs> I'll see what that can do. Okay, I mean that would be good, wouldn't it? No, it wouldn't. It'd be horrible. <laughs> Imagine you were fiddled with by Farage. No, I want. Here's what I want. I want it to, you know, like um, the bish, the priesty man in Scotland who, you know, oh. campaigned against gay marriage and turned out to be a bit of a woofter. Yes, I would like something like that. I want it to turn out that he's a secret Europhile. That he's been. He, I mean, he's married to a German. He doesn't like to talk about that. He's married to a German national. I don't really understand that one. Maybe she's a very distinctive sort of German, you know, who harks back to the past. <laughs> who's given him a certain inspiration <laughs> German yeah. classic I believe they're known as yes um, 
but I want. I'd like it if it turns out that he's really, really pro Europe after all, and it's like uh, it all gets uncovered, like you know, the typical homophobe. Mm. Oh goodness, uh, that, that that bishop stuff was fun, wasn't it? Yes, and, it was. Lo- it was pretty splendid. inevitable. Yeah, I love it when that happens. <laughs> it's always so amusing. And it's always it's always the staunch uh, Republican senator, uh, or, you know, usually not senator, uh, usually uh, a representative or a or or a governor or a Republican Party worker who goes on about the gays and then is found with a red boy in a toilet or something like that. I love that. That's so beautiful, isn't it? It's the poetic. Mm, the poetry of hypocrisy is the best poetry of all. <laughs> I thought of a really good thing to talk about, and I've forgotten it now. Should we talk about my trying to move house? Yeah, let's talk about your trying to move house. I mean, are you, you've, you've bought your new house, haven't you? Nope. We've put an no. offer in, it's been accepted, and we're now, I've just uh, had all the paperwork arrive, uh, so the next, second wave of paperwork arrived this morning. And you found out that it's been eaten by woodworm, the house well, is just the, basically a pile of sawdust. We're going to find that out on Wednesday, the surveyor goes in, um, to find out whether it's infested with wood wolves. <laughs> right. But uh, we don't get the results of that survey until we've signed and returned a piece of paper that arrived this morning. So I got to do that. We've paid the initial solicitor fees. Um, hmm. That's all kicked off. We've got the form telling us about how it, the exciting volume of stamp duty we need to pay. And so have, it, have the searches happened yet? That, that's the survey that happens on, on, on when Wednesday. Okay. Do you like how I pronounced it? Survey. That's yeah. <laughs> like and- that. I mean, the, the, the search is basically where they have to look back at the land registry and prove that it's oh, not no, owned, the by, not owned no, by an old gypsy yeah. or something. By paying the fee for that, that's all kicked off now. And then eventually we get, you know, it costs £150 for them to press that button and £217 for them to uh, pick up that telephone and, and so on. They don't pick up a phone anymore. It's just press the button. Just pressing and, buttons. And, and it's not the solicitor who does it. It's his PA or the secretary. Her, thank you very much. His... The solicitor is, it was so fun on, on the phone. I, I couldn't understand what was happening. It's like a pleasant human being I was speaking to. Oh, awful. But then from Yorkshire, where everyone's nice. It's true. So, this new house is located in Bath? No, it's located elsewhere. Where? Uh, between Bath and Bristol. That's unpleasant and inconvenient. Get rid it's of it. It's not. It's on the same train line as you get off for Oldfield Park. You just go on one more station. It's perfect. Is it expensive? What, the house? Yeah, or is it dirt Massively cheap, so. The house has cost a fortune. Just for a few bricks, it's ridiculous, isn't it? It's, and some air. Or well, a few bricks and some air. <laughs> it's a really lovely house. We're, we're, we're very excited for it to go through. Um, so the rule is everyone is telling us, you must be so excited. And Laura's like, whoa, uh, this is ridiculous. How can we get excited before we've even been told if we can have a mortgage? Exactly. Oh, you we have an agreement a... in principle. Oh. We have presumably everything that we should need for it to happen, but that doesn't mean yeah. it will. Yeah. And okay. the, uh, the owners of the house can pull out of this at any point they like. So it was ridiculous to get excited at this stage. Assuming that it happens when you're moving in. Um, again, that's entirely dependent on them, really, isn't it? We're, we're, we are renting, so we can just give a month's notice and scarper. Mm. So it could, it's, it's unlikely it would be before our holiday, but it's, it's likely, hopefully, be soon after. That'll be an exciting thing to, to think about, yes. Yeah, I think I would prefer it before. What our ideal would be if it could all it's be rushed through in before. just a few weeks. I it know. can't be and it won't, so don't even think of that. It's ridiculous. The lawyer said, I asked the lawyer how long it's like, the solicitor how long it's likely to take, and she said, well, the, the quickest I've ever done it is overnight. And the slowest is 13 months. 
Can't yeah. really answer the question. Exactly. Forget it. It's never going to. But be she over, said right? four to six, four to six weeks. But our circumstances, they, they don't have an, they don't have a chain. They're moving into renting to accommodation, and we don't have a chain. So, that for those reasons, it speeds things up significantly. Eight weeks. Oh, I hope it's more, fewer than that. Eight weeks, John. But yeah, well, if it is, it is. It's fine. It is. Well, I hope it's got a good studio. It's got it. It's it can ha- It's got so we've accidentally got a house with four bedrooms. Oh, you're madman. I don't have four bedrooms. I know. It's ridiculous. We don't want four bedrooms. We're pay- not paying the price for four bedrooms either, which is it's extraordinary. Um, it has an aloft conversion, which uh, is extraordinary. Because all you would think, oh, okay, it's a little compromise room. Yeah. It's the best room in the house. It's the This double bed gets lost in it. It's absolutely spectacular. And it's got an ensuite shower. Ah. Oh. oh, very So posh. this is very exciting. And that means we've got three rooms on the second floor, for one for the imaginary baby. Uh-huh. One for John's study and one that can be just dedicated to rum doings. Yes, and the imaginary. Actually, I assume if you have twins, you'll just kill one of the twins for convenience, so you wouldn't need another room for it. Twins live in the same room. Oh, that's true. Forever. That's because they're twins. They that's do everything true. together until the day they die. Oh, fair enough. Yeah, so you, don't, you won't need to kill it then for convenience. No, not at all. Oh, that's all right. I was thinking it would be quite unpleasant. You don't have to expose it on a hill or something. Well, the worst to. thing is picking which one. Uh, toss, uh, toss, toss a twin. <laughs> Heads or tails? Yes. Oh dear. It's time um, to stop. It is. Shall we say goodbye to the ladies? Yes. Bye bye, ladies. Say it in your lady voice. Bye bye, ladies. Gosh, that was beautiful. <laughs> it was mellifluous like honey. All our nude listeners are now priapic. They are engorged and ready. <laughs> Indeed. Okay. Ready for anything. Right, listeners, this is it. This is your moment to shine. Now this is over, I want you to turn this off. I want you to get out there, and I want you to just bloody well win. Win it all. Yeah, you can do it. That's the thing about you. You're brilliant. Except you, and you know who I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah, you, you know, little prick. Move away. Stop skulking. You're a prick. <laughs> Goodbye. Bye-bye. Except to you. <laughs>